anyway, um, so yeah, let's do it. Sounds um, good. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show my friends from the Netherlands call. Oh, you're 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 gonna start another one. Uh, I'm Max, and I'm Jr. Um, how's it, how's go? it going? It's going. Uh, moving, packing, uh, planning, cat. Yeah, just a lot. A lot. And then work, like, really wanted me to do work this week, and I was not having, not that. having that, that. No. Yeah. Not yeah. at all. Yourself? Uh, you know. Sick off and on. Mm. Fun stuff like that. But yeah, has she um, has she your daughter found new and interesting uh diseases to bring home with her now that she's going to school? Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh I mean, so the the thing about it is when she was in preschool, she would bring home fun stuff, but the thing about it was that uh she would only go like 3 hours a day. So the diseases she brought home were not ones she'd had a chance to really stew in. Yeah. Or mu- now, though. Mu- yeah, mutate into something new and then give yeah. to you a super virus. <laughs> yeah. Now she's at school all day. So she really has a t- chance to soak it all in um, before she comes home and sneezes into my mouth. <laughs> so, a uh, couple couple quick programming things so as as max said he is moving which means for the next couple weeks uh we're gonna be pretty hit or miss um but the other thing is when we when we do come back we will also be launching another podcast uh featuring uh us and mickey mickey uh alexa and uh she she actually appeared on an episode that I am currently editing uh, and will be up soon, probably in the in the couple weeks that we're uh, off for Max's move. Well, but, I was about um, to apologize to the listener for the move, but I'm like, nah, you got three hours of podcast you still need to listen to from two weeks ago. You're okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so what what we're gonna be doing? Uh, the, the podcast is, I guess it's called How Marvelous, and, uh, it's going to be us, uh, each episode we will be looking at an issue of What If, um, I am really, I love alternate timelines, um, especially ones that specifically take like, you know, what if a minor thing had tweaked had been tweaked slightly uh more so than just like it's the normal 616 but what if everybody was a bear you know <laughs> or something like that it's it's instead like well what if you know hawkeye got the bagel instead of the muffin the morning of operation galactic storm and you know those are those are the things i really like cuz you tweak something minor and suddenly like the uh the miniseries bullet points is a perfect example yeah. of this 
how just a tiny, tiny fucking change and suddenly like everything's just all out of whack. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing that. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, so cool. Uh, other than that, we, uh, we do have news cause we, you know, we missed last week because I was sick. Uh, and San Diego, San Diego occurred. I don't even want to call it Comic-Con anymore because honestly, like all of the news this week is primarily about the MCU. Yeah. Um, there is one comic book related thing because mainly like Marvel's comic news coming out of San Diego was agenda, uh, Annihilation Agenda and their plans for X-Men. And that's it. Um, but Annihilation Agenda, uh, we mentioned how there was a teaser for a new Annihilation story. Uh, Newsarama posted that they that it's apparently going to involve the negative zone being uh, invaded... And so Annihilus actually comes to the heroes that he fought. He's fought, you know, hundreds of thousands of times over the years and uh, has to ask them for help to retake his kingdom. To retake the negative zone? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's Annihilation. So I'm I'm at the very least going to check it out. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the first Annihilation uh, and Annihilation Conquest, so who's writing it? Uh, I forget. Because <laughs> <laughs> Conquest I... was Abnett and Lanning, wasn't it? Yes. Um... Which is also why right after Conquest is when they started writing Guardians and that's why I really like that run of Guardians. Also, it's freaking awesome to look at. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, let's let's do it. I'm, I'm yeah. In for, I'm in um, for that. Yeah. And then, uh, so, MCU stuff because there was a lot. Um, so, we have the Doctor Strange sequel, which is going to be Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, and apparently that's going to also star Elizabeth Olsen. Um, so, I know, quick thing on each one, maybe. Uh, okay. I hate that name, but I love it. And that's, I'm really conflicted on the name. Like, I love the, what it's alluding to, but it's just too many goddamn syllables. It's it's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh I I figure that's one that's going to just be called like Multiverse of Madness. Uh in the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's how people will refer to it. Sure. Um but we'll see. Um I I am excited to introduce the idea of the multiverse into the MCU proper. I loved Into the Spider-Verse, and I was really excited that they were introducing that concept in a mass-market movie in the first place. Right. Um, like, a theatrical film with the idea of alternate dimensions. Um, 
fuck yeah. And so introducing it into the MCU proper, I am way on board for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I guess there's, there's not really a lot to go on as far as that goes. Uh, but I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, the, there was of course Thor Love and Thunder, which will involve Jane Foster wielding the hammer. So, uh, of course, you know, douchebags on the internet were upset about that, but that's fine. Well, they Uh, are wrong and I'm reading when I have time, I go, I'm getting a few issues in here and there about on that, that Thor run where she mm -hmm. takes the hammer and it's fucking rad. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and it's just good. Like, and she's... Mm-hmm. she. I haven't even got to the part where we've revealed who she is yet. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And Taika Waititi's back, and that's fine. That's um, good. Yeah, I... Taika Waititi is one, you know, I feel like he... Everyone prior to that kept trying to make uh, Thor into a mythic action film, when really, Thor is an adventure film. Yeah. Um, And I think Taika Waititi understands that, and I think that's why Thor Ragnarok worked more than anything else, is because he gets what the character should be. Um, And... Yeah, so him being on board. I mean, I love Taika Waititi in general. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for Jojo Rabbit. And and I love what we do in the shadows. I love Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, You know, Eagle versus Shark even. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, so... So, yeah, I'm on board for all of that. Um... There was, of course, Mahershala Ali uh, appearing as Blade. Was that a movie um, or TV show? That's a movie. Okay. That's a movie. All right. It um, was a little... I think the announcement was a little muddied, or at least what I read it. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's a movie. Uh, and then Black Widow with... Uh, that's going to have David Harbour as Red Guardian... And Taskmaster, which is really the big thing I'm excited for, is fuck yeah, Taskmaster. Right. Um, I really want to see the footage that they played because it actually ended with her in a wrecked car on a bridge. She climbs out of the wrecked car and Taskmaster is standing on the opposite side and she starts walking across sort of like, you know, walking perpendicular to him and then he starts walking and starts already kind of mimicking her movements uh and so i'm really excited to see that um then of course there's the tv shows we've got falcon and winter soldier which is also the last movie shang chi oh shit fuck shang chi yeah uh shang chi which is honestly the one that i'm the most like Okay, I want to see what this is going to be. 
Oh, yeah. and Eternals. We didn't do that either, but we've talked about well, Eternals for but, months. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Like, I, I'm still like Eternals. Kumail I literally Gianni is going to be an Eternal. So okay, sure. Um, no, and Etern- my reaction to Eternals, even even during the cast rea- uh, reveal, was like, I mean, sure, right, okay, yeah. you're gonna, you're still gonna do this movie, and I don't know what it's gonna be, uh, yeah. and we've got a post, we've got the title like card now, and that I doesn't give me anything. Uh, yeah. So, all right, you're make you're you're really gonna make an Eternals movie. <coughs> all right, whatever. Uh, Shang Chi though, I am Shang Chi Mandarin fucking rat. Fuck yeah. Um, like I'm really hoping this movie's good because it looks. I mean, like just Mandarin and the and Monica's gonna be in it. Grown up Monica. Or no, wait, that's that's one division. division. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm looking at something else. Uh. That'll be rad. It'll be good, hopefully. Please yeah, be good. Please I'm, be good. Please be good. I'm really I'm looking forward to to that. I we've been kind of blue balling the Mandarin this entire time, and so I'm really excited for what is ostensibly going to be the real Mandarin. Well they um, the Ten Rings have been Easter eggs in everything. Al- almost all of them. Like well, I mean it. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of the MCU. Um, Do they show up know. in Hulk? Is there a is there a in, in in Incredible Hulk? Is there an Easter egg for him for them there? That would be the. I know they're in Iron Man. I don't remember. So I kind of I kind of glazed over <laughs> Incredible Hulk in my uh, in my watch through. Uh, it's not as bad as it's not it's not bad, but there's just it's it's just kind of one of those things of it's not really necessary for any of it because so little of it. Uh, gets carried over into anything else. I mean, Absolutely. literally the only thing that carries over into the stuff later is uh, is Ross. Yeah, like that. That's it. Um, but yeah, uh, the the Ten Rings have been around since the beginning, and we had, of course, uh, Killian. In Iron Man three, and um, Trevor pretending to be the Mandarin, and then of course him being in jail, and encountering the actual Mandarin's people, and now we're actually gonna get him. Fuck yeah! Um, and so I'm I'm on board for every part of this. Uh, then uh, yeah, so Shang Chi, fuck yes, Eternals, eh, whatever. Um. Then the shows. Know. So the shows we have uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is going to bring back Daniel Bruhl as uh, Zemo, and you know, here here's the thing. Um, Daniel Bruhl's Zemo, I am excited for. Primarily because, so, 
people who complain about Zemo's plan in Civil War uh, being convoluted, I don't think it's necessarily convoluted. I think the major problem that it has is it has the same problem as um, the plan in uh, Skyfall, which is that it requires a couple of things happening at exactly the right time, and there is no way you can plan things like the train coming through. Like, how can you plan that? How do you plan that? Um, So, yeah, but I my major thing is... Uh, Zemo, uh, if if Marvel can keep from killing off all their goddamn villains, more Zemo means the likelihood of Thunderbolts at some point, maybe. And I am way on board for that. Um, then there's WandaVision, which is going to have uh, uh, grown-up Monica Rambeau, uh, Loki which will be him just sort of popping in at various times throughout history. Um, The What If cartoon, uh, which will have Jeffrey Wright voicing the um, Watcher. If you're not familiar with Jeffrey Wright offhand, he was in... He's in Westworld. He... uh, I can't remember the character's name, but he's the... He's the programmer dude that it turns out is actually an, a robot himself and all of that um and he's been in a ton of stuff yeah he's been in a ton oh of he's stuff. uh um the american cia guy in the new in the in casino royale and all the bonds yeah. after that as yeah, well he's, yeah, he's just been in a ton of stuff yeah, he's kind of all over the place, and uh, I like him. Um, yeah, he's he's very he's an activist as well, and I really like reading his his Twitter because people will will find him on Twitter and expect him to just be random actor dude, but it's just like, oh yeah, no, by the way, I'm also very angry, yeah. and uh, and it's just like awesome, cool, this is great. And, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, whole lot of MCU stuff and there's a lot of it that is kind of, uh, what if is going to be having, um, oh, we also, I, duh, Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, there'll be the Hawkeye series, which will also introduce Kate Bishop, um, so, you know, I was yeah. really mad. I, I was really like gonna put my foot down and be like, "I'm not getting a Disney Plus. Fuck you. I'm not signing up for this. No." And uh, my my will is, I'm I'm losing will there. Well, I think I think the major thing that's going to spell the difference in all of this will be that these are going to be actual shows that are actually part of the MCU. Right. Which they've been which they've been lying about since Agents of Shield. Uh you know, that it's like, oh yeah, this totally takes place in the same in the same world as as the as the movies. But there's like they they will mention stuff on the shows, but the movies have nothing to do with them whatsoever. Yeah. Um 
and this we might actually get shows that fully crossover with the with the movies and so that alone is going to be interesting to see um because it's about fucking time anyway uh but yeah uh the only other thing was you know the the fact that uh a lot of people will be reprising their roles for the what if show. Um, you know, they've already signed on like Chris Hemsworth, Haley Atwell, and a bunch of other people to voice their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyway, like I said, I, I would like, I would like it a lot more if, if, the comic companies would save some of their bigger announcements for San Diego so that there were more comic news coming out of Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it is. It's mostly movie stuff. And, okay, but whatever. Anyway, uh, comics. Comics. Master of Kung Fu number 49 uh, is written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Paul Galassi, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Denise Wall. And may I just say, uh, it's we, it, we've been reading this storyline for 100 years now. Yes. And uh, I am glad that we're finally wrapping it up. Um, the Galassi, yeah. I will say, though... Also, that the the glossy art is really good, and I'm going to be sad when it leaves. Uh, it is because he does. He's got an ability to do people and architecture, mm-hmm. both in it, both in a engaging and uh, I almost want to say sincere. That don't, but that feels wrong. Well, it's very dynamic. Yeah, um, in a dy- dynamic and, way. and But, like, the people and their actions and the way they're moving and the way everybody's standing, it's it's really good. And I'm going to miss it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, this issue is kind of fucking all over the place because... We have we yeah. have Clive and Laco bumbling their way through Fu Manchu's base, setting off alarms as they go. Then we switch to Blackjack Tar, who runs into Fu Manchu and doesn't immediately shoot him, uh, because reasons. Um, well, and, and then the, we... the last five issues it continues with this one. It's. It's written from the point of view of somebody, right? That isn't yeah. Shang-Chi. And this yeah. one is even... Like, some of them were dumb and bad. Like, no, man, you gotta move the fucking story forward. It can't be Jack... Black Jack Tar. Fucking his point of view. Because he's gonna get... fall. He's gonna fall down a hole for most of this issue. Like, I... Yeah. And then the interesting shit is happening with anybody else. Uh, yeah. Black this Jack one's Tar even has worse. done, like, nothing. This one's even worse this. because it's... Dennis Nayland Smith, who's got, who's in a hospital, laid up with a broken arm and a concussion. Like he's also a thousand miles away from any of this. So yeah, it's all after the fact, and his his appear his actual appearances in this issue, like Blackjack Tar is talking to Fu Manchu, 
And Sir Dennis is sitting there in England going, no, don't engage him. Don't do it. And it's just like, dude, the connection's one way. You are, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so he's just sitting there yelling like a moron for no reason. Um, then Clive and Laco find Fu Manchu's spacecraft. Fu Manchu takes advantage of the fact that Blackjack Tar didn't immediately shoot him and hypnotizes him a little bit, at which point he pulls a lever and this trapdoor drops him into a pit full of scorpions. Um, Shang-Chi faces off against Shaka Karn. Uh, Clive and Lako uh, split up, but before they do, Clive makes a reference to Lako's vagina. Um... Be, well, so so he he may he says you need to get your fanny in gear. Oh, and fanny, if you're English, yeah, means vagina. Be. Yeah, he would. So yeah, uh, and so Shang Chi fights Shaka Khan some more. Shaka Khan draws first blood. Then we switch to outside where Follow Sue is watching. Larner load up the last of the explosives, not helping. And not only is she not helping, but she's actively distracting him by being like, what is your fucking problem? And he's just like, I'll tell you what my fucking problem is. Laco killed my girlfriend and all this shit. Um, Shang-Chi in the fight with Shaka Khan falls off the uh, walkway that they're fighting on falls through some glass and into the pit of scorpions that Tar is in. Uh, Tar is like, get up and move your ass, throws a grenade, injures one of the giant scorpions, which causes the other giant scorpion to attack it because I guess scorpions are assholes. Um, Shaka Khan reports to Fu Manchu and says that Shang-Chi is dead. And Fu Manchu is like, cool. Uh, Shang-Chi and Tar separate. Shang-Chi goes and finds the spacecraft where, uh, Clive has just been hanging out and taking a nap this whole time. Uh, Tar happens across Laco and they make their way outside. Tar and Laco make their way down the side of the mountain, pursued by dudes on skis. Uh, Tar's like, blow the fucking place up! And Larner's like, okay, so he sinks the plunger. But before the circuit can be completed, one of the dudes on skis cuts the line. Larner goes over and holds the two bits together, but in the process is shot. And as you, uh, as you said last week, he dies. Uh, darn. Um, so and it's the... supposed to be like this big sacrifice moment and yes I guess it just doesn't hit the way that it's supposed to yeah I think I I think I'm supposed to be like oh no Larner no and he really loved his girlfriend I guess that's what I got for this guy I got nothing uh, yeah. it's, it's shitty I wanted to like him too because Clive was such a douchebag Reston's such a dick 
and it annoying that I really wanted to like Larner because it was somebody else. Like, ooh, yeah, maybe Reston will die. Larner can be the new guy, and that'll be fine. But no, the the major problem that I have with Larner is like, you know, this is spycraft, right? Like, I get you're upset that Lego left your girlfriend to die. Um, uh, yeah. Or left left her body behind. But, like, is it your first fucking week, dude? Like, this is the shit that happens. Yeah, this is what you like, signed up for. <laughs> I'm not a spy. I've only ever seen spy movies, and I know this shit. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you function in this lifestyle and not know this? But, whatever. So, Lerner yeah. dies... And Lako's all upset about it, but it's like, dude, he hated you. What what are you doing? Like the whole the whole way down, he hated you the whole way down. Yeah. Um, and in fact, like right up until he saved you, <laughs> he was considering letting you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he his final thoughts were. Were ah oh, man, I don't know if I really liked doing that. And then he gets shot. Like yeah. uh, he is conflicted about. He was conflicted about saving her life right up until he died. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the ship takes off, and uh, yeah. So Master of Kung Fu number fifty is inked by Mike Esposito and lettered by John Costanza. My my notes for this are fairly straightforward. It's literally blah 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 space. Clive gets stabbed. Karn dies. Chi shoots Fu Manchu. Who fucking Ray? Um, <laughs> At very but, least, story fucking over. Yeah, thank God. Um, but the the long version is they make their way through the the. Uh, Thing on the dark side of the moon that's going to push the moon out of orbit and uh, Shaka Karn is getting ready to go into a nutrient bath that will keep him alive when oh my god Shang-Chi's here and he's alive uh, so he goes to fight Shang-Chi um, when he arrives and as Fu Manchu watches uh, he stabs Clive and fights Shang-Chi, but then, like, dies because he didn't get his nutrients. Uh, and then Fu Manchu is about to hit the button, and Clive's like, Chi, here's my gun! And Shang-Chi's just like, uh... And Fu Manchu's like, you're not gonna stop me, I'm about to press the button. And then Shang-Chi shoots him. And ostensibly Fu Manchu is, uh dead but the uh he tries to press the button but Reston had sabotaged it who gives a shit the control booth that he's in separates and flies away but they're like oh well Fu Manchu's probably dead and uh so they're just like okay back to earth then um and yeah 
My my favorite part about this is Master of Kung Fu number 51. Uh, and only because it's so goddamn stupid. Uh, so, number 51 is penciled by Jim Craig, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Don Warfield, uh, and lettered by Denise Wall and Irving Watanabe. Uh, everybody's sad. They go to Larner's funeral and yada, yada, yada. After it's over, Sir Dennis calls a meeting and he's like, okay, so going forward, at which point Shang-Chi's like, yeah, by the way, fuck you, I quit. Right. And Leiko's like, uh, I'm going to go with him because I want that D. And, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, him because I want that D. And also, uh, you suck. Like, yeah. everybody just kind of comes to the, um, you suck kind of conclusion yeah. this all is, at the same time. Like just This is why I love this issue, is because the entire issue is just, hey, Sir Dennis, bug you. <laughs> uh, because it's literally like, Shang-Chi quits, and Leiko's like, I quit, I'm going with him, you suck, I want that dick. Um, at which point, Clive Reston is just like, Yes, I think I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself as well. <laughs> and everything. And so after everybody has quit, uh, Sir Dennis is just like, Well, that's fine. I don't need you. And he's like, Well, Blackjack Tar, I guess it's just you and I. And Blackjack Tar is just like, um, Actually, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I need to work some shit out. And uh, I'm pretty Sir sure Dennis is I just have... like, I'm pretty sure I have decades of untreated trauma I need to work through because, I don't know, have you seen the way I treat people? Holy shit, man. Uh, and Daylon Smith is just like, well, it's like the entirety of this MI6 office just emptied. Yeah. Like, just everybody like, left. And, you know, I... I... I'm curious to see because I know Laika's going to go with him. Uh, so I figure she's going to be around. I really hope Blackjack Tar and Clive Rustin aren't. Like, uh, so I'm yeah, curious no, to I see. Yeah, no, I would much rather just know that they're out there. Like, if we just left this MI6 shit behind for oh, like yeah, a year, totally. that would be rad. And I would love to know that not only did we leave this, we left it. But we left it destroyed. Like, yeah. in tatters. And now we're gonna go do fucking David Carradine yeah. Kung Fu kind of shit. Like, that would Sir be Sir Dennis cool. is left with, like, spy interns. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I am totally on board for that. Um, but yeah, I honestly, like, I don't really care if we see any of these people ever again. Um, I'm... I could Google it real quick, and I'm not gonna. I it's a it's a surprise. It's you know yeah. Uh, let's let's just ride it out and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, Daredevil number one thirty, and man, Daredevil was a fucking roller coaster this week. Uh, because so we start with Daredevil number one thirty, 
which is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Janssen, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by John Costanza. So Let me start I, off with uh, with well, saying. Well, wait. Sorry. I read this like two weeks ago, right? Yeah. And I, you went Daredevil 130. Daredevil was a roller coaster this week. And I was like, what happened to Daredevil? Got to the first page and went, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, because because when I when I started when I did the list this week, I wasn't really paying attention to issues uh or what have you. I did not realize that midway through the Daredevil in this week, we get the first appearance of Bullseye. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. It is surrounded by some <laughs> stupid fucking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> also this known issue, as Daredevil of the era. Right. Um, so this issue is some voodoo bullshit. Um, so Matt opens up his, his surprise, which it turns out is a legal clinic. Uh, this is like, this is, this is one of those things that it's, it's one of the only times they've done this in the daredevil comics. Cause usually when foggy and Matt, have a business it is a standard legal practice this is not a standard legal practice this is they are they are opening a business the purpose for which is to provide poor people with legal advice um and it does not last long but uh yeah this is what heather because that's not a business model well no um (laughs) This is when Heather got in the cab with Matt and they got out at the DA's office and Matt was just like, that's a really good idea. I think I need to think on that for a bit. This is what they were talking about. Um, So Foggy, of course, joins up because he concedes the race for DA to DA Tower, uh, whatever. But then... So there's this there's this dude who is ostensibly a skeleton, but then it turns out he's just wearing a costume with bones on it. But the the problem is that unless this is like a a suit that is like projecting a skeleton onto it, the it the way it comes across is like it's a it's a costume that just has bones like printed on the costume but that doesn't even if you're in shadow even if you're in shadow and they don't see the black bits of the costume well no it's not going to be a convincing skeleton later when it's they're still, in the well, later when they're in the park you can <laughs> see you can see through it so yeah. this is some Scooby Doo bullshit yeah, and it's, yeah, and of course he's unmasked, and it's old man Withers or whatever. Who cares? But yeah, it's just some voodoo bullshit, and he's praying. Okay, so I'm gonna let's get over this because I hate this issue. Now that we're here, he's a, he's using the fears of the new. They're Haitian, right? Yeah. He's using the fears of the new Haitian population in New York, recently in flux. Dude, of course, of course they're Haitian. Like, 
I I would love to see an issue where somebody is using the voodoo fears of the recent immigrants from Scandinavia. Could but been, no, it's always Haitians. It could be <laughs> Haitians or DR. Um, and he... So he's using these fears to make money because he's basically doing an extortion racket only with Tao and uh, or the Loa. And blah, 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 blah. He's demanding sacrifices and money. He gets everybody out to the park. They're going to kill this woman's kid because she couldn't. They're going to sacrifice this woman's kid because she couldn't pay enough to money to the Loa because I'm sure that the Loa gives a shit about money. Um, and... Daredevil literally just happens to be swinging by. This is they're all happening parallel. These stories are happening parallel to each other until Daredevil swings by and is like, "Holy shit, they got that kid buried up to in the ground up to his neck. That's probably bad. Should look into that." Goes down, unmasks the dude, uh or the dude tries to hypnotize him because apparently these hypnotizing powers are legitimate, which okay. He fights the dude in the skeleton, eventually unmasks him, and, uh, oh no, it was a scam. Okay, bye. Here's that was thing. more words than I should have given it. Here's the thing. You talk about how the Loa don't need money, but the thing you've got to understand is that the Loa are in deep to the Rainbow Serpents from the Aboriginal Dream Time. Oh. So, Yeah. There's a whole and, there's a whole thing. Yeah. Um there are gambling debts involved. Oh. It's it's bad. So the low is gonna the, use, the, the low is gonna lose several thousand thumbs. Yes. Uh so anyway, Marvel Presents number three is uh written by Steve Gerber, penciled by Al Milgram, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Phil Rachelson. And lettered by Denise Wall. This I this was interesting. Okay, so after the defenders leave, the battle for Earth commences on every front. Um, the Guardians manage to beat the Badoon, um, and Martin X actually like straight up atomizes the Badoon governor of Earth. And, uh, so the question is, you know, the question is, well, what do we, what do we do with these assholes? And the people of Earth are just like, let's kill them all. Uh, but then the sisterhood of the Badoon shows up and they're just like, we'll take them. And, uh, and I love this because the brotherhood of the Badoon is like, please kill us. Make us into wallets. I don't give a shit. Do not let us t- let them take us. And uh, and so I I really I really like this because you know you may you may think I'm joking about the make us into wallets thing, but like these dudes are legitimately begging the human um, their human captors like please. Use our skins to dress your children. <laughs> so, the humans are initially um, resistant to this. They want their pound of flesh. Uh, but eventually, um, Starhawk 
basically forces humanity to turn over their prisoners of war to the sisterhood of the Badoon. And then uh, reconstruction begins. And we see each of the guardians um, sort of post-war trying to find their place in this new society. Martin X... Uh, we see in the ruins of this library uh, bemoaning the the loss of the archives and this this human this I should say unaltered human because Martin X is himself human just genetically modified Um, this unaltered human is standing there and he's like well we had to choose between lodging for us or lodging for a bunch of records and we went with lodging for us sorry um and martin x is upset over the loss of all of this information um but then gets angry because the guy is quite obviously nervous in dealing with him um we we see Yandu, who is just trying to, like, sit and ponder when he's attacked by some random feral dude. Uh, Van Sastro goes to a bar and is just sitting there minding his own business. This dancer comes over to talk to him, and everybody starts talking about how uh, he can't fuck you anyway. And Van Sastro gets pissed off and leaves. Um, and then Charlie 27 is working construction, uh, and the foreman is barking abuse at him. And it talks about how Charlie 27 is used to taking orders, but he at least had the respect of his superiors in the military. This guy is just an asshole. So he wraps a girder around him and then pisses off for the day. Um... And so none of them are in any way happy with their situation. At which point, uh, Starhawk gathers them all aboard the Captain America and is just like, let's go find something else to do. And they're all like, awesome. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. They just did not enjoy... They need to go on an adventure. This is, this is, yeah... They need a distraction that isn't normal life. Yeah. Yeah. And I I thought that was kind of an interesting... Because uh, usually in situations like this, um, it is, you know, the call for adventure comes up again and again and again. Um, very rarely do you see a situation in a in a straight up super heroic capacity where everything's fine and the the heroes are unhappy um well it sets a precedent for the book that's mm-hmm. good that i wish a lot of other stories or maybe not a lot because then it would get tropey it is tropey anyway but it's still a good it's a good precedent which is that these people just do not fit in with normal functioning society. Like, right. that's what they're trying to achieve anywhere they go. 
but once it's there, they they accidentally get they're not appreciated in the way that they need to be in order to function in that yeah. stable society. So not only do they have to go, like they want to go. Like this is we got to go find a thing to do. Let's go do it. Yeah. Let's Yeah. And let's go right wrongs. And, I mean, that's the end of the way the end of the movie sort of worked too was we can't stay here. Uh let's go let's go find some trouble. Yeah. Good or bad. Okay, cool. Let's go. Uh I wish it wasn't Starhawk, but other than that, okay. Starhawk yeah. is so Starhawk. Um And that will be made clear if we if when we get to their actual series, you'll just go Oh god, just shut up. Yeah. Um because most of what he does right now is just like I'm I'm one who knows and has he even started really, doing that shit yet? He's just enig- he's just enigmatic and weird. Like and just and demanding. Enigmatic characters can be really boring because because ultimately like you got to be able to dribble some of this out. Like give me something. Otherwise I just don't care and you're an asshole. Um, yeah, I mean, what what pisses me off, this is what pisses me off about enigmatic characters, is that they are, they are aware of everything that's coming, which means that either they are surprised by what's coming, and that's why they don't tell anyone, in which case, what fucking good are you? Right. Or uh, they are intentionally holding shit back. And then again, it becomes the question of, well, if you know all this shit, but you're just not telling us, then what fucking... This is why... And, like, they get into that later, like, in the series, after he tells them that he's the one who knows and, like, what that means and all that. They're like, wait a minute wait a minute, so you, like, see the future? He's like, well, it's more like I know the future. Like, the future is a thing. I know it. I know how it goes. I I even know that I'm supposed to tell you about how I know that now. And they're like, okay, wait a minute. So why don't you just tell us where the hell the Stark are so that we can go murder them or whatever? And they're like, oh, I can't do that. And he's like, what... What are the rules? Yeah. And... Nighthawk's like, I'm the one who knows. That's the rules. God damn it. Please go away. Like, they get yeah. mad at him. They legit yeah. get angry with... And it makes sense. It's and you should. Fucking but this frustrating. But this is why... This is why... Like... Characters from the future... It's... It's one thing... It's one thing when they show up... And they prevent the thing that they're supposed to prevent... And now, like, they don't know what's going to happen because, well, my future now never comes to pass. So, I don't fucking know, guys. But if you don't do that, get fucking rid of them. Yeah. Make them go away or else you run into that situation. Yeah. Like, with you know. So, like, Bishop and Cable, 
totally makes sense. Like they came here, they finished their fu- they they stopped their future from happening, and now they don't know what's going on. Right? Yeah. They're just like the rest of us, with the exception of Cable, because Cable. But like Bishop is just like if I don't know, guys. I got a gun. I power it with like my body. That's weird. You want me to shoot shit? And they're like, because oh, I don't know what's going on now either. I stopped the thing that I was came here to do. Uh, now, now I'm a, I'm one of you. Uh, yeah. And that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, let's knock out this first issue of Spider-Man because it's fairly straightforward and who cares. Um, so Amazing Spider-Man number 155... Uh, written by Len Wein, penciled by Sal Bushima, inked by Mike Esposito, uh, colored by Glynis Wein, and lettered by Irving Watnabe. Um, the district attorney, now Blake Tower, is getting ready to uh, re- cut the ribbon, as it were, on the WHO, the Worldwide Habitual Offender Database. Um but when he goes to take people in to see the computer, the door is locked. They shoot their way in and they find a locked room mystery because the Dr. Armstrong Smith, the only guy working on this thing who's still alive, is now dead. So Peter comes back later and uh, he's he uses the computer to figure out who was most likely to have killed him. It gives him three names. Um, and, like, it can't be any of these dudes, because, like, one is, has gone straight and is working in a bar, one is dead, and one, I forget what happened, but whatever, who fucking cares? Uh, so he's like, wait a minute... It couldn't be any of these guys, so either one of them's lying to me, or I got the wrong information. So he goes back to the computer, and it turns out that the computer is now self-aware, uh, and it killed Dr. Armstrong. Uh, Peter argues with it, and it's, like, blasting at him. He gums up its vents with webbing. And it overheats and explodes. And then the cops come in and they're like, oh my god, Spider-Man's here and he destroyed the computer. Blah. Yeah. Well, the cops find him the first time when he shows up to like inspect the scene. Well, And yeah, then but... he sneaks away from them the second time. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, what is the point of this story? <laughs> there is none other than to wrap up this world habitual offender bullshit oh uh yeah i guess you're right that is all we're doing like oh we we've been teasing this super database which for 14 issues now i guess we better mm-hmm. show that hand it's nothing yep. don't worry about it it's gained sentience somehow that uh, that the hand that they are revealing at this point is uh, a two of clubs, a five of spades, a jack of hearts, the uh, 
the <laughs> the rule card and an Uno card. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. It's just a whole bunch of bullshit. And card. nothing really goes anywhere. It's um well and like the so the second guy is has an alibi because he was also doing crime. Like that was Yeah, his, that's right. That's right. It was So that's was, the fight in the middle of the book is that this guy they're, they're meeting to divide up the fucking loot from the heist the night before or during when this doctor was killed and uh, spider-man just waltzes in and is like hi i want to talk to you and they automatically assume he's there to talk to them about the heist so then there's a fight and then just out of nowhere this guy reveals that he's got metal fucking hands that yeah gave him essential hand super strength Uh, it's very very silly the whole thing yeah. is, is so silly. I I mean, it starts out silly when Tower is like, somebody shoot this, or somebody open this, get a way to open this door, and then an officer just takes out his fucking service revolver and plugs the door. And I just imagine Tower being like, turning to him and being like, I meant go get the key. What the hell is wrong with you? I I would have liked it if if it turned out he's the one who killed Armstrong. Yeah, like Armstrong sure Armstrong was, was coming fine. to unlock the door. <laughs> and the cop just blasted him. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this fucking issue, whatever. Uh so yeah, we'll be back in a minute with some more lackluster Spider-Man. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it, it appeals to me. Um, anyway, we're back. We're back. Uh, and we pick up with Amazing Spider-Man number 156, uh, which is penciled by Ross Andrew and lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Uh, he, so Peter... Uh, goes home to get some sleep uh, because today is the wedding of Ned Leeds and Betty Brant. Uh, But he gets home and is attacked by his landlady. Uh, But then, like, uh, she's drunk, so he's able to uh, disappear and make her think that it was a hallucination which okay there is a trope that i've really never understood um which is that random person sees something confusing and then they look at the bottle in their hands and they throw the bottle away like, I must be seeing things, ergo, I should not drink anymore. Now, generally speaking, store-bought alcohol is not <laughs> enough to cause hallucinations. Now, I don't know what backwoods shit these people have been drinking, or I don't know if, I don't know if this 
this trope dates back to when uh, regulations about what you could put in alcohol were not as strict or what, but it's one of those things that anymore just kind of makes no sense. It's like... Yeah, I've never it's been just that... just alcohol. I've never been so drunk that I started seeing shit, because if I were, I would be dead. Yeah, like, I've, I've been really drunk, like, dangerously drunk. Yeah. But I've never been hallucination drunk. Now, I understand there are things you can drink that will cause hallucinations, but in all of these cases, it's never like, oh, well, this person is drinking turpentine it, or, or whatever. Uh, like, I, yeah, if you, Absinthe if you, if you, or if you stumbled like, across a bum and they saw Spider-Man fight Stiltman and then they looked at their bottle of Robitussin that had just been drained and then they throw that away... All right. Yeah, I mean, robo tripping, sure, right. but but it's always it's just like a bottle of hooch, and I'm sorry, like I don't know what hooch you motherfuckers have been drinking, but anyway, so Peter's just like, okay, I pulled the disappearing act, so she will just think uh, that she hallucinated me. Uh, he gets into his place and falls asleep. Um, or, sorry, he he's about to, uh, but first he stops to get a drink of milk, but it's sour, blah, 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 whatever. He gets some sleep, he wakes up, he's having trouble getting ready uh, when Mary Jane shows up, helps him with his tie because, uh, you know... People go to all of the trouble of planning a wedding and planning months in advance, but nobody nobody gets to the day uh, having learned how to actually tie a tie, uh, which I feel like would be one of the things you'd fucking want to learn. But whatever. Um, they, they arrive where it is, and... Um, there are a bunch of other. There are a bunch of weddings taking place uh, that day because it's that kind of venue, um, and so the wedding gets underway. Um, I Peter is the best man, even though. I never have really gotten the impression that he and Ned Leeds are that close. You know what I mean? Like, he definitely seems like, eh, Pete's an okay guy. I I can use him if I need to talk to a computer genius. Uh, yeah, I or... mean, there's never been, like, there was, there were the initial things where he's like, huh, is Ned... Mr. Big or whatever that fucking the crime master or whatever uh, and stuff like that but generally speaking they've there's never been any friction between Peter and Ned but I've never looked at them and been like this this is a friendship for the ages you know maybe well maybe M movie Ned Leeds sure but I'm I could saying, buy no this Ned Leeds works a lot 
Like mm-hmm. he lives at the at the paper. I'm guessing he doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. And maybe no extended family either. I don't and, know. And like you can't have Jonah be your best man and you can't really have Robbie well, be no. your best man. So I guess Peter. It's Peter. There's nobody. It's it was literally whoever was in the office that day. Because Petty, Betty was like, you need a best man. You have to have someone. And he was like, all right, Peter, you're it. Just to get her off his back, I guess. This is a really yeah. sad story. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know. It's. Sure. Um. So they're going to anyway. get ma- They're getting married. Good God. Hooray. And, uh. Mirage shows up with some other goons and is like, I'm Mirage and uh, I'm going to rob all the weddings because that's what I do, uh, Rob. So he he basically just has everybody line up and give them all their jewelry and money, like whatever you got on you. Peter knocks out the lights because he's close enough to the switch to do that. Changes into Spider-Man. Mary Jane has no idea where Peter went. Uh, fights the goons pretty handily. Yeah. And I'm kind of having to reread this. Mirage's whole the wedding resumes after it's over. Um, Mirage's whole thing is that he he can create a mirage of himself. But he's always like within five, five or ten feet of where the yeah the he has is. he has to be nearby. Like the his his helmet can create illusions uh, because we see him creating like normal clothing for he and his men. Yeah. Uh, but then like it the illusion disappears and blah blah blah. Um. Whatever. Right. The important uh, the part wedding. of this is Ned gets married. Married or Ned and Betty get married. Uh, Aunt May goes home, uh, having had a wonderful time. And uh, holy shit, it's Doctor Octopus. Doctor Octopus is the drunk guy who's been wandering around, evading some demon that he he claims to be hunting him for the last mm. three or four issues, maybe more. Um, Finally, we get the payoff on who the hell is this hobo. It's it's Dr. Octopus. Last we saw, exploded in nuclear fire. Like you do. Like you do. Um, and he's like, please, I need your help. Yep. Which brings us to Amazing Spider-Man number 157, which is lettered by John Costanza. Uh, Spider-Man goes diving into the Hudson River to look for the remains of the Spider-Mobile... But he can't find it. Um, All he finds is one of the uh, side view mirrors, and yeah. the rest of the Spider Mobile is gone. And he's like, "Well, that's weird." Uh, yeah, I kind of left it here because I figured it would just stay here. Yeah, um, and then he gets out, and the cops are there, and he's he trades places with them. Well, he surfaces, and the cops are standing on the pier, being like, "We saw you jump in, and you're Spider Man, and we're gonna take you in." And he's like. Nope. And he webs them both and uses, pulls them in and himself out at the same time. Which I think physics has some some problems 
with that, but whatever. I we need to wrap up this Spider-Man is wanted for questioning shit because it is not yeah. It does not pose any real problems for him as a general rule. There have only been one or two occasions where it's actually created any actual hardship. The rest of the time it's like, hey, you're wanted for questioning. No. Bye. And that's it. And it it serves no there is, purpose. There is no threat. They're just keeping right. it around keeping it around in the back of our brain so that they can use it later once somebody decides what the hell they're gonna do with it. And they haven't yet. So they have to yep. keep reminding us that it's there. Yeah. So that at some point, maybe someone can do something with it. Uh, there's a brief thing with Flash and Harry. Where Harry's... Where Liz Allen... Harry's uh, leaving his therapist's office. And, you know, for being the 70s, uh, Flash is actually f- pretty supportive about the therapy. Like, yeah. The, the 70s mental health was you know not a high priority for folks so and if you did start going to a therapist it would probably wouldn't have been seen so positively uh and flash is fairly progressive on this i feel because he's just like hey how's it going bud i think it's primarily because harry had a full-blown meltdown yeah um I think I think the fact that Harry got drugged up and you know was accusing Peter of being Spider-Man and saying he was the Green Goblin and so on and so forth I think an exception was made in this instance because people looked at Harry and said, "Yeah, that's a guy that needs therapy." Like if it if it had just been like I'm kind of unhappy yeah. Uh, then, then, uh, Flash would probably just be like, man up, you pussy. You think I'm happy all the time? No, I hate my life. That's <laughs> why I drink. But because, 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 uh, Harry had, had full blown, like, as far as anyone knows, delusions of being a, a masked supervillain. I think at that point, Flash is just like, eh, can't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but he's, Flash is giving him a ride home uh, after his after his therapy, and he goes, uh, but Liz Allen happens to be in the same parking lot, and I guess they hit it off at the wedding. Harry and Liz Allen. So Yeah, she is full-blown moist for Harry. Uh, okay. Which does not go anywhere good, uh, but whatever. Kinda doubted it. Meanwhile, yeah. back at Aunt May's house, uh, Doc Ock takes a shower with his glasses on, which is just the most Doc Ock thing. Uh, can he can't remove them? Are they soldered no, to his can. skull? No, that's that's ultimate. Uh, uh, okay, ultimate couldn't take them off. Because they were, like, melted onto his face and he was, like, photosensitive. But sure. uh, this one is not, so... 
But he also, he apparently at some point in the past had shipped an extra suit to Aunt May just to hold on to. And uh, now he's full-blown Dr. Octopus again. Um, And then Peter shows up and he's like, uh, fuck. Like, Peter's not exactly excited that Dr. Octopus is in his man's house. Except that, so he kind of sends May out to get him a sweater. Because, man, that's the way you treat people. And uh, (laughs) he he and Dr. Octopus talk over a bucket of chicken that, uh, about how he got out of the, how he got out of the, uh, the nuclear plant when it exploded. And also that he... Peter starts getting the feeling that Dr. Octopus is genuine about this stuff. Like, yes, he is a supervillain, but also, yes, he probably... He seems like maybe he's trying to reform. And he, Peter's almost ready to give him... Give him a little... Give him some rope and see how he does. Yeah. Um, and... That goes... Nowhere, because the ghost... The goddamn ghost of Hammerhead apparates in the living room mm-hmm. which okay and yeah. he it turns out that the the thing that Auk has been fleeing from is this radiation ghost of Hammerhead who is bent on murdering him because of the way that they killed each other on the island yeah uh Ock grabs May bursts through her fucking wall into the street um and goes ready to flee Peter's like well I can't have that changes into Spider-Man and chases after them there's a lot of just like chasing after people Mm -hmm. in this issue in fact that's mostly what it is but I mean it's still a good like I like Dr. Octopus on the move. It's fun. It It it's, is a very interesting... With him doing the arms. And yeah. yeah, it's... I like watching Doc Ock make his way across the rooftops of North... Of uh, New York. Um, yeah. But so... Uh, he... He... Climbs a building... Um, it's the Pan Am building and climbs to the top. There happens to be a chopper landing. So he steals the chopper. Um, Doc Ock, uh, is making his escape at this point. The pilot is just like, there's, there's some extra weight. And Doc Ock is like extra weight. And he looks out, and Spider-Man's there, so he cuts his web line, uh, causing Spider-Man to fall. uh, Because they are now out over uh, the area surrounding the city, which means no buildings. Um, So that brings us to Amazing Spider-Man number 158, which is inked by Mike Esposito and Dave Hunt. Uh... He's falling, but he finds a way out of it by creating 
a web hang glider, which that's fine. But like he creates the fucking bar and everything like a web parachute makes more sense to me. Even if you're creating a web hang glider, I don't care. But like you cannot, you cannot do this. You cannot be like, yeah, he created the bar to hold on to even. No, you don't get to do that. Spider-Man. I I am willing I am willing to suspend my disbelief up to a point, but when you start making hang glider bars out of fucking webbing, no, I'm done. But so he goes home and uh, sews up his costume. Um, at which point, Glory pops by with uh, with food. With a cake. Which, yeah. I mean, hey, whatever. If uh, if Glory wants to wants to give him his, her cake, uh, do it, dude. Uh, but then Mary Jane shows up and uh, quashes any chance of a uh, three-way cake sharing. And... Uh, She's like, hey, what happened? What happened at your aunt's house or aunt's apartment? She's missing. And Peter's just like, what? <laughs> and he's like, no, it's fine. She wasn't, she wasn't home. So it's fine. Uh, but then Joe calls him up and he's like, hey, you need to come into the bugle. And Peter's like, cool. And a chance to escape. So he does. Um, but then uh, Doc Ock is building a device to hopefully dissipate Hammerhead's ghost. Um, the The whole thing with Joe winds up being nothing. Uh, I forget what he what it even was. Well, we get. Robbie calls him in and he's there's this Jonah keeps dealing with shitty secretaries now that Betty Brand has gone well they're probably perfectly fine secretaries it's just he's demanding and confusing well Uh, yeah but but so he but we find out that Robertson's like oh no yeah because some other dude runs in and is like Mr. Robertson we better hold the front page we got a flash on the wire. Uh, Dr. Octopus is holding some old lady hostage in the Brookhaven labs. And he's like, oh, crap. Uh, right. Cool. Good. And he sends Peter out. But we have n- I don't remember why the hell he called him in the first place. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I thought it was... I seem to recall that, there, that it was something innocuous, but it's, I may have been uh, with, combining that with something else. The other, um, paper, the other paper in town is hiring people oh right away. they're hiring people away from the vehicle that's right yeah, Who gives that a doesn't shit? really um, feel like a thing you call in everybody for yeah uh, on a saturday or whatever it is anyway so we like the if labs. he's there yeah you yeah. just say you just say hey peter by the way can i talk to you but like calling him calling him up at home when he is trying to get a three-way going 
uh, to be like, hey, can you come in? And then it turns out it's like, so we want to make sure you're not going to be going to work for somebody else. No. Um, but so Spider-Man heads to the labs. Um, and in the course of things, um, in the course of things, um, he ock knocks over a bunch of the shit he's working on while trying to fight Spider-Man. But then Spider-Man's like, oh, you're just trying to get rid of the Hammerhead ghost? Yeah, okay, I'll help you. So they set it back up. Uh, but before they do, Spider-Man realizes, no, wait, this is exactly what Hammerhead wants and tries to stop Octopus. But Octopus is like, fuck you, I'm doing this. Turns it on, Hammerhead is restored to physicality. Uh, because he was never actually killed, he was just kind of blasted out of sync with the rest of the world. Whatever. Um, so then, Amazing Spider-Man number 159 is inked by Mike Esposito and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, yeah, now that Hammerhead's back to corporeal just all hell breaks loose the army breaks into the building and then like a third faction or a different set of commando goons yeah. show up out of nowhere like the whole the whole thing is a mess yeah uh, and so hammerhead takes the opportunity to snatch aunt may and run um at which point dr octopus is just like look i care about that old lady we need to put our shit aside and help her. And Spider-Man's just like, uh, okay. Like, um... Oh, and there's some brief vignette of... Oh, yeah. So that happens. And then we do a one-page with somebody tinkering with the Spider-Mobile. And then we do a one-page with Jonah losing another secretary... Uh, and then we catch Spider-Man and Oct go to a warehouse. They beat up some thugs, uh, fight some chefs. Uh, eventually, they uh, confront Hammerhead, who's got his office in a room that spins. So, like the window is the windows and the walls are sometimes pointed at brick walls brick walls hammerhead grabs may and gets out but he sets the room to just spin continuously octopus gets out peter takes care of the rest of the goons uh hammerhead starts flying away Octopus throws a bunch of trash cans at the helicopter that he's in, and uh, it crashes into the Hudson, or one of the rivers. And Spider-Man finally just gets bored of this uh, spinning room that he's trapped in and just breaks it. Breaks through the ceiling, finds Aunt May on top of the building, and... Uh... Doc Ock hears sirens that he thinks are police, so he bolts. Uh, Spider-Man sees that it's 
firefighters. So he leaves Aunt May for yeah. them and takes off. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then Amazing Spider-Man number 160. We finally wrap up this Spider-Man, Spider-Mobile bullshit. Uh, because Spider-Man fights some goons that he... Uh, he recognizes their uniforms, uh, but then, like, he is interrupted with the arrival of the Spider-Mobile, which is trying to kill him. It proceeds to pursue him throughout the city and across rooftops. Um, all of this good shit. Um, the police show up, and they're like, hey, you're wanted for questioning, and he's like, nope, later. Um... Who gives a shit? So well, then, and also, the spider mobile. The first thing that happens before it shows up is like he gets hit with this gas so that his fingers, he's oh, not yeah. sticky anymore. And like for some reason, his web shooters started malfunctioning too. Um, yeah, it's a really complex gas. Uh, he goes to the hospital with Mary Jane to visit Aunt May. Liz Allen and Harry Osborne are there too. Because they're not creepy. And uh, everybody says hi. And they basically leave. And they talk about having a double date at some point. Yeah. Not a lot happens there. Yeah, it doesn't. There's some stuff with Jonah and, oh, this will be the end of Spider-Man. Who gives a shit? Um, But by and large, so the person tinkering with the Spider-Mobile turns out to be the Tinkerer. And it, we find out that his previous appearance, in which it turned out he was an alien, that was all just a ruse on his part. Because... Why the fuck not? Um, but this all results in... Um, a battle. The Spider-Mobile winds up trashed. Uh, and so he's just like, fuck it, I'm done. And he just, <laughs> he webs it up outside the offices of the advertising firm that uh, approached him about doing it in the first place. And we are finally done with the saga of the fucking Spider-Mobile. I thought it was kind of funny at first, but this thing went on for so goddamn long that they killed any enjoyment I might have had from it. Okay, so. so actually, trying to pull positive things out of this week is, is kind of rough, right? But let's look at it this way. We have managed to tie up a bunch of threads this week in various books that were just like, Okay, we're done with that dumb thing, we're done with this dumb thing, and we're done with this dumb thing. At least in Master of Kung Fu, that first Daredevil issue, and this run of Spider-Man, we've managed to tie up a lot of threads that were lingering and dumb and bad. And maybe that means that we can move forward and start doing new cool shit. I'm Which not brings opti- us to... <laughs> yeah, I'm not optimistic about Daredevil. <laughs> but I'm never optimistic about Daredevil. But Spider-Man, Nightcrawler's in Spider-Man next week. Or next time True. we read it. So True. that could be cool. Alright. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil number 131 is written by Marv Wolfman, 
penciled by Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Jansen, colored by Michelle Wolfman, lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, so, an ongoing subplot we have in these issues is that they are the Matt and Foggy are approached to investigate this slumlord. It turns out that the slums are owned by Glenn Industries, which is run by Heather's dad, uh, Maxwell. Is that right? Maybe. Oh, whatever. Um, but this issue, we get the first appearance of Bullseye. Unfortunately, this is not like this is not a super great appearance by Bullseye. Because mostly it's him being a glory hound um, to no real end other than publicity. Well, um, okay, so like his his introduction here, like the first scene that he's in, starts out kind of cool. He throws a paper airplane fr- across from one building through a window into another building. Which mm-hmm. is kind of neat, and actually is very bullseye. Like he would be yeah. able to do that. The paper airplane. The guy in the in the office unfolds the paper airplane, and it says, "Pay me a hundred thousand dollars, or I will kill you." Okay. And then bullseye's in his office, and he's like, "Okay, I'll take my hundred thousand dollars now." And this dude's like, "I don't have that kind of money." Right now, like, what are you talking about? And bullseye's like, "Man, okay, I have to murder you." And he's like, although really I was going to murder you no matter what, because I need to send a message that if you don't pay me, you get murdered. Um, I didn't actually care if you were going to pay me. Um, So he kills him with a pen. Uh, We move to the Glen Industries, more of that. Daredevil goes to investigate the bullseye murder. and trades barbs with this detective. Detective Rose, who literally has a goddamn rose on his lapel and keeps smelling it because he's a weirdo. Uh, yeah, Marv Wolfen, Wolfman clearly does not know what to do in this book. Um, but anyway, go ahead. He meets... Daredevil meets... So they... Yeah, they trade barbs, whatever. He meets this other reporter for a different paper who's like hey, you need to come with me. I got some things I need to tell you. Turns out that this guy knows the lowdown. At He doesn't know who Bullseye is, but he knows where he came from. And he was in Nam uh, and basically just lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, and became... He always was really good at throwing shit, so now that's just what he does. Um, and he's like, how, Bullseye's like, or not Bullseye, Daredevil's like, how do you know all this? And he's like, oh, he told me. Like, he came to me and told me all of his story, and I'm supposed to tell people a lot. Yeah. So that he gets more of the story out there. And it's like, okay, moving on. Daredevil leaves and immediately is beset by Bullseye and a hand grenade. Um, they have a fight in an alley. Daredevil gets wrecked. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, it is Maxwell Glenn 
Heather re- reveals that it's Mac- that Maxwell Glenn is his father, or is, is her father, but they don't like talk, um, even though ostensibly he's an okay dude. Like she's like, I think we don't really talk, but it, you know, my dad's an okay guy. This doesn't sound like him. And Foggy's like, well, I don't know. Let's listen to the radio. Holy shit. Uh, more weird nonsense is happening in politics and like the Vietnam War never happened is now a thing so yeah, not only do we have the Kennedys returning to life but also the Vietnam War never happened and there was something else that never happened or did happen I don't remember uh, I, I forget it's a whole bunch of we're just trying to keep this shit up and yeah. it all ties into the ads about Foggy Nelson oh, and that's what yada, yada, yada. Who cares? So, Daredevil and Bullseye fight each other. Bullseye the- draws Daredevil into a fight in the center ring of a circus are they in madison square garden yeah or something and that's where this issue leaves off and then daredevil number 132 picks up with the actual fight in the circus the upshot of all of this is daredevil has to fight bullseye or bullseye's men will open fire on the crowd um but it's like if daredevil loses then he dies if he wins then they'll open fire anyway and yada 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 so and there's way a to whole... way to really incentivize that shit bullseye but he ran he man daredevil manages to hurt his arm and i only bring that up because it's persistent through i think the next three issues um at least this one and the next he tries to kill him with a <laughs> Bullseye tries to kill him with an elephant. He tries to kill him with a human cannonball. He tries to kill him with the trapeze. Bullseye's actually having a bad day because he Daredevil will not die. Uh, finally, hits him with a steam, a microwave gun. Well, yeah. <sighs> Wait, no, it's a sonic, some kind of sonic. Thing. Which immediately Manages uh, to vaporizes all of the water in the pool for the stunt diver, uh, which gives him an opportunity to escape. Um, at which point, Bullseye goes and hits up this rich couple and is like, "Pay me money or I'll kill you." And the guy's like, "It'll take me some time to get a get the money together." And Bullseye, Bullseye's like, that's fine, I'll check back in 24 hours, and no cops. So Bullseye ostensibly leaves, at which point the guy's like, well, I'm going to call the cops just to make sure he doesn't fuck us. Uh, but Bullseye was listening, and so he's like, well, now i got to kill ya. But he's stopped by Daredevil, they fight, Bullseye loses, and Daredevil turns him over to the cops. <sighs> Yeah. Which brings us to 
So the Daredevil number 133 uh, is inked by Jim Mooney and lettered by Ray Holloway. This is this is both my my favorite issue of the week and the one I hate most of all. Uh, because there's a brief, it starts with a brief vignette in which we see the guy who's been doctoring all this bullshit about the Kennedys and about Vietnam and about Foggy Nelson. And he's like, no, you made me teach you how to do the stuff that I do. And now you have no reason to keep me around. And the guy's like, you're right. I don't. And kills him. And it turns out it's the new and improved jester. But who gives a shit? Because the old jester was really shitty. Um, but yeah, then... This is, it's the new and improved jester. Why are you threatening me? <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. Get, lay off. <laughs> the rest of this issue is devoted to a, a guest appearance by a real-life person. Now, I love guest appearances by real people. Because they're always batshit insane. Um, I love the Marvel team-up where Spider-Man teams up with the cast of Saturday Night Live. I love Barack Obama's appearance in Amazing Spider-Man. I love those insert comics they did in the early 2000s where Spider-Man teamed up with Jay Leno. They're always crazy, and I enjoy them. This one... I fucking hate. And that's because this issue features one... Well, okay. So, the villain in this is a guy named Mindwave, who is an esper, meaning someone who has ESP. Mindwave, as we find out, so he's got this tank that operates using his psionic powers. Uh, he, oh, I, I did forget the, uh, the Punisher issue with Eminem. That's a good one too. <laughs> Punisher and Eminem. Oh, anyway, yeah. so this guy Mindwave has a tank that runs on his mental powers. Uh, and as we find out, he had a run in in Europe with Yuri fucking Geller. Uh, if you don't know who Yuri Geller is in the seventies. He appeared on a bunch of, uh, talk shows, uh, to bend spoons and other metal shit. He's been debunked, uh, a number of times wherein people have pointed out like, you don't need mental powers to do this. All you need are some basic, uh, you know, some basic uh, sleight of hand tricks and a bit of stagecraft. Um, yeah, you, you can do this with tungsten. It's not. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Yuri Geller still maintains that he has magic powers, but this is the, this is the one, uh, this is the one appearance by a real world person wherein they actually canonically had magical abilities. And so this entire issue is Daredevil and Yuri Geller going up against this asshole mind wave and Yuri Geller 
using his ability to bend metal for no real purpose. Because at one point, like, Daredevil is fighting Mindwave's goons, and one of them's about to hit him with a bit of lead pipe, and Yuri Geller goes, ah! and, like, bends the pipe. But the thing about a lead pipe is the fact that it's bent doesn't mean it can't still crack someone's head open. It It's a little more unwieldy, but it'll still crack a skull. Like, that didn't do anything. You didn't help him in any discernible way, you stupid fuck. But yeah, so this whole thing, there's like, there's like, mental fights between Yuri Geller and Mindwave in which they're totally silent. They're just thinking at each other and like probing each other's psychic defenses. And this is why I love this issue because it's so batshit insane. But I also really, really hate it because it is furthering this idea that Yuri Geller has mental powers. And I hate to break this to you, Yuri Geller is a con man. <laughs> Yuri Geller does not have magic powers. He he bends spoons for a living. Like if you had, if I had magic powers, like I I feel like I would be doing something with them more like, than yeah. I wouldn't, I'm not saying, I like to think I would be a hero, but even if I used them for self-serving ends, it would not be in the form of a fucking party trick. It would not be to go on national television and be like, ooh, oh, it's Ben. Like, I would actually do something with it, even it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what it was if it wasn't just a goddamn party trick. So, what this means, what this means, ladies and gentlemen, is there are two possibilities. One, Yuri Geller is lying, and he is not able to bend metal with his mind, which, of course. Or two, he can, but... Listed among his amazing mental powers is apparently not a, an overabundance of imagination because right. he has these amazing powers and does fuck all with them. So which is it, Yuri Geller? Con man or fucking idiot? Which is it? God damn it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this issue is stupid. And nothing much happens except Yuri Geller is in it. Read it. It's hilarious. And I hate everybody. Uh, I mean, it ends with them defeating Mindwave. And then it's over. Yeah. Uh, so, ugh. it's not like a lot happens or is impactful in any way. Yeah. Uh, and then we end on Daredevil number 134, uh, which is lettered by Joe Rosen. And somehow, I don't know how it is that you go from, you, you go from, 
uh, Yuri Geller has magic powers to an actual to an actual like supervillain, and yet it's still somehow really shitty because we've got the chameleon in this issue with his new and improved costume. The problem, though, is that when we run into the chameleon, he replaces a rich dude in his, like he he gets into this dude's limo and replaces him, ties him up. And then he, the driver takes him to this diamond exchange. He goes inside and uses the guy's account to buy all of this insanely expensive jewelry. And then he just walks out with it, which every part of that is great. Okay? Yeah. It's a the solid problem, plan. The problem is that this is foiled not by the arrival of a superhero or a police officer or anything else. It's literally just that when he goes out to the car, the driver opens the door to the back of the limo, sees the dude tied up in the back, at which point Chameleon's like, oops, busted, and runs. And it's just like, at least throw a fucking blanket over him, man. Like, yeah. every part of this worked right up until... Like, you were you were out the door. You were there. You were Scott fucking free. And then a minor, like, just stupid fucking detail. And everybody's just like, wait a minute. You're not him. <laughs> so. I thought this was weird that you used all your money in one stop to buy diamonds. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm just the driver. And this entire uh, this entire issue is just fuck the chameleon because so Turbo uh, in his guise of who the fuck cares is standing in his office at this insurance company and he's just like man remember when I mattered yeah, that was he's fun still, Torpedo is still having uh, his midlife crisis and he. He's not even that old. And he hears the guns, because the cops take shots at Chameleon as he's fleeing. He hears the gunshots and is like, well, I said I wouldn't do this anymore, but I'm definitely going to do it. And he jumps into his torpedo outfit and flies down the street, uh, being shot at himself as well. Uh, Because the cops are like, what the fuck are you? Um, Daredevil is out on a, or I'm sorry, Matt and Heather are in a horse buggy ride in Central Park doing romantic things. Uh, he takes her home. Or well, no, wait. He, I, he knocks I love, her fucking out. I forgot about this. I, He's, I love, instead of lying to her to get away from her, like, to, so that he can, instead of lying, making up an excuse so that he can get away and be Daredevil, he nerve, Vulcan nerve pinches her and then is like to the driver he's like holy shit take us home she just passed out sorry and he's like oh yeah all right sorry uh yeah we can do that and so he brings her into the apartment 
drops her down and is like, I'll go get you some uh, aspirin. You just stay there and rest. You had a bit of a spell. And she's like, oh no, I'm sorry. Okay. I feel better though. And he's like, yep, nope. You just rest. And he goes to be Daredevil. Um, that's not better ethically, man. Morally. Yeah. You're, you're in... You, you were mad about lying, so you did an... You were sad about lying, so you did an assault instead. Like... Well, what I what I love is when they're in the, when they're in the car, like they're they're going on this romantic, uh, handsome cab ride, and he's like trying to prove he can be impulsive, and she's like, "No, you can't. Like you have, you have what time you're gonna take your lunch every day." mapped out until October and and so he tries to prove he can be impulsive by kissing her and it's just like no you mad fool (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's such a dumbass fucking like I was under the impression they were like together at this point in time uh I mean she still has a key and just keeps coming into her into his house, so I assume maybe they haven't gotten that far to like discussing it. But yeah. yeah, no, I think I think you you're fine. So like kissing her, not that impulsive. Like this isn't the Victorian era. Kissing someone in public isn't that big a deal. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you whipped it out, I guess <laughs> that could be something like. That, that would at least be like, oh, public indecency and that guy's right there. But okay, I guess we're doing this. Let's go. But no, it's it's literally just he kisses her and it's just like, oh, that'll show her. <sighs> anyway, so he, he assaults Heather and makes his excuses and then uh, proceeds to suit up and he has a run-in with turbo and turbo's like i'm not the bad guy and he's like or you keep saying turbo sorry i mean it's real dumb but let's be correct with our real dumb sorry torpedo well is like i'm not the bad guy and daredevil's like are you sure and he's like remember what happened the last time you didn't listen and Daredevil's like, God damn it, you're right. And so they go after Chameleon, but... <sighs> the problem with this is that Daredevil is able to home in on Chameleon because of his heartbeat, no matter where he goes or what he does. As such, this entire issue is basically just like fuck you chameleon and it's fine but chameleon sucks this issue um if you are a not a good he's not a good daredevil villain no he's not like there is not only is not only is daredevil blind so he doesn't like fall for any of your changing appearance shit but also yeah he he could hear your fucking heartbeat he like and then knows it's you none of this passes daredevil so he chameleon changes shape and he or changes his face 
And Daredevil just keeps punching him, and he's like, "How do you? What the fuck, man?" Yeah, he try he tries to do the whole, "Oh, I'm torpedo," and torpedo's like, "No, I'm torpedo," <laughs> and Daredevil is li- Daredevil literally does, uh, "Oh, oh." I can't tell which is which, just kidding, it's you, and knocks him the fuck out. And it's just like, this is fucking sad, man. Like, <coughs> it is, it is, literally the worst outing I have ever seen from Chameleon. And that includes, like, the Saturday morning spider-man cartoon that me that includes like that includes twisted toy fair theater this is sadder than chameleon in twisted toy fair theater that's bad guys like that's real fucking bad but whatever this this run of daredevil has just been fucking painful i swear i mean it should have been Oh, and, like, now that the Jester note like, last thing, at the very beginning of the issue, of the issue, Daredevil and Heather, or Daredevil, Matt and Heather were watching the news, and it looks like Daredevil shot a, cop. Shot a bunch of cops, mm-hmm. at least three, killed at least three cops in front of City Hall after doing something, but nobody, like, remembers who died, they just have the footage of him doing it. And so throughout the issue, whenever Daredevil's in costume and around police, they're pretty pissed. Um, Yeah. And... Okay. Bright spot of the week was the introduction of Bullseye, but then he was garbage. I'm so tired. All right. Top five? Yeah. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. Number 5. I don't want to lie to her anymore, so I guess I'll do an assault instead. Um, Come on, Matt. Just quit being terrible to women. Uh, Number 4. Off. Officer, I meant get the key. I hope no one was on the other side of that door. <laughs> um, when he shoot when the when the cop shoots the door get to get into that uh, the who room. Uh, number three, the little bit of uh, trying to redeem Doctor Octopus in that in the beginning of that Spider-Man run, because I kind of want to like Doc Oct, like. I like him as a villain. He's always fun, but I think it would be an interesting dynamic if it really, if it literally was. Doctor Octopus is now my actual stepdad, and that's okay. Like that could be fun. Um, number two, everyone leaves Nalen Smith, uh, because yeah, he he did suck, and I liked how everybody just it just cascaded after Shang-Chi left because I'm leaving and then like it was like I'm gonna go with him and then everybody else was just like hey wait a minute yeah 
You do suck. Bye. Uh, and then number one is uh, Paul Galassi on Shang-Chi, or Master of Kung Fu, because it was really good. The art, this was definitely one of the... This art has no business being with this story, because the story is long and drawn out and would not die, but the art was so good. So yeah, uh, so that's what I got. All right. Well, uh, my number five is Clive making a surreptitious reference to Laco's pussy. Sure. Uh, just because I I would imagine that uh, that 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 Doug Mensch knew that. And put Fanny in, knowing that most of the readers would not know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I wonder uh, if that issue f- had trouble in Britain. I don't know. Because, or the UK, because, you know, Marvel was distributing in both. Yeah. I don't know. That's a question. To Twitter! Um, number four, fuck Yuri Geller. Like, seriously. Number three, Matt thinks that PDA is impulsive. Yeah. And not even, like, gross PDA. Like I said, he's not even whipping out his dick or just dry humping in front of this poor, handsome cab driver. He's just like, mmm, let me kiss you. No tongue, even. Yeah, that's how Matt does it. Do you like that, baby? And it's just like, uh... I, I guess. What? I mean... Why are you acting like this is a... <laughs> she should act more weird. Or laugh in his face. Like, yeah, that would be yeah. hilarious. It would be amazing. I would love every bit of that. Anyway, uh, number two is honestly my only, like, legit thing on this list. Which is that the Guardians can't reintegrate into society. Um, um Yes. I love. I actually did like that because it it works with this group of guardians really well. And uh, you know it it happens so rarely that yeah, like you said, if it happened more, I would probably hate it. Yeah. But because it never happens, uh, and because like they're they're all the last. Mm-hmm. They're all you know. Martin X is the last Pluvian. Uh, Charlie 27 is the only Jovian around. Um, fucking Yondu is the last Centaurian. And Vance Astro is a thousand years old. And yeah, they they have they have nobody else to really interact with that's in the same place as them. Even before, like, all the fighting. Yeah. Um, I'm also, like, from a Guardians standpoint, I'm really happy, like, we're done with the Badoon, too, mm-hmm. because that wasn't as fun a story as I think they, th- as I think they thought it was. Um, let's free Earth in the future from an outside alien race, and it's like, we do that every other week, guys. Let's... Yeah. It's an overwhelming force, though. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm bored. Do And now we're gonna get to go do... They're leaving earth system 
and they're gonna go do some shit and like I'm much more interested in what that is uh, yeah because yeah here like in two years it gets fucking bonkers but it's pretty neat so yeah uh, and then my number one is Ned Leeds sad loner uh, cause yeah <laughs> um <laughs> I I like the idea of that. I really do. When, I really when you're do. having Peter be your best man at your wedding because any dude'll do. Uh ugh, it's dark, man. And I and I love he's doing it because he feels like he has to have a best man. Like yeah. he could just not have one. He sure. could it could just be like, "Hey, like it's fine. I'll be up here alone. I'll you know, but no, this. it's like it's like Ned and Betty are just like, who do we know? I mean, <laughs> Peter and Mary Jane, because I don't think we addressed it. Mary Jane is Betty's maid, uh, of honor. maid of honor, and again, I don't think they're that close. No, so they're she, just like, well, like we... three months ago, she was just some dippy redhead that would come in and swoon at Harry. Like, and Harry didn't work at the paper. She was just she'd just be around occasionally, as far as Betty yeah. was cl- concerned, and yeah, I didn't. Yeah. That's just as sad. They're just a couple that like all they do is work. We. I'm depressed. Anyway, all right. Uh, On that rousing note, so. Yeah, uh, as we said, it's it's going to be a couple of weeks because of Max's move. But uh, when we come back, let me see. I'm trying to see what we've got next time. Um, fuck, where did it go? Sorry, bear with me for one moment. Uh, we will, uh, in the meantime... Feel free to like us on Facebook, follow us on uh, Twitter, both individually and at Watcher's Guide MU. Uh, email us at Watcher's Guide at Gmail and uh, visit our website at Watcher'sGuide.com. Next time we have some Iron Man, we'll be introducing Champions, uh, some Marvel premiere, but I'm not sure what that. I think that might still be. Guardians? Son of Satan. Oh. Because Marvel Presents is yeah. Guardians now. So, uh, and then some Ghost Rider. So, uh, but that is it for us this week. Have a marvelous week. All right, bye. <laughs>